one way to be strategic is to get in touch with what frustrates you. For example, the guys who started Bonobo's Pants, they were really bugged by the diaper butt that most pants gave them. So they decided to make pants with a curved waist so they would fit guys better. And for SoulCycle, those ladies started SoulCycle out of a desire to work out in a particular environment. They wanted it to be fun to work out and they couldn't find a place that was fun. So they had to create it themselves. Uh, maybe you can tell I've been listening to a lot of the How I Built This podcast with Guy Raz. Welcome to The Behaviorist with Work Wisdom, where we help you adopt high-performance mindsets, behaviors, communication, and culture. I'm your host, Sarah Colantonio. Our intention for the Behaviors podcast is to share accessible, concrete practices that you can weave into your whole life to begin a shift toward joy and meaningful achievement. Today, we're focusing again on strategy, and we're grateful to have Kedron Crosby from Work Wisdom joining us. Hi, Kedron. Hello, Sarah. Some have heard you say you don't even believe in strategy. What's your beef with strategy? Have I said that? <laughs> Have I, I think I have said that. I think really what I've said is I have a problem with traditional strategic planning. I see. And, and maybe that has been misconstrued that with, uh, into that idea that I have a problem with strategy. I do have a beef with traditional strategic planning. Uh, if, if you read, there are some really fantastic articles out there on strategic planning is dead it's this idea that in an era of disruption and speed, thinking about um, creating tactics and key performance indicators that are five or even 10 years out is ludicrous. Yeah. And so, yeah, I may have said strategic <laughs> planning is dead. Um, I think it's the traditional way of thinking about strategic planning that I, I, that I have a beef with. I see. Well, how does work wisdom approach strategy differently than traditional strategic planning firms? It was about I am almost four years ago that uh, Sam Bressy from the Lancaster County Community Foundation called me and he said, Kedrin, we'd really like work wisdom to do our strategic planning. And that's probably, you know, when I said, I don't even believe in strategic planning. <laughs> and he said, I started saying, well, you know, I do believe in strategy and I do believe in thinking strategically. And I, I believe in knowing what your purpose is and what winning looks like for the foundation and what your differentiators are and living into your values. And I went on and on and on. And finally, mm -hmm. he interrupted me and said, I don't care what you call it, Kedrin. <laughs> we want you to do our strategy. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I ended up wrestling with this idea of how do you how do you combine culture and strategy together so that they both go farther, mm -hmm. and so that you're actually looking deep into your own DNA um, culturally, and and you're thinking about how to use that as a lever to go farther s with your strategy. Some of why work wisdom's approach to strategy is such a sensation, maybe I'm overstating it, <laughs> is because of the tidying up aspect of it. Can you tell me a bit about what the tidying up approach 
is uh, with work wisdom, what oh, that's about. Yeah, that that is sensational, isn't it? So we, I have a background in policy science. And so my first master's degree is in policy science. And we were taught very deeply about decision rules and how to use filter questions in order to narrow your your options. So a, a decision rule is a question that you ask consistently that helps you glean whether or not you want to pursue some activity. So when, back to Sam Bressy and the mm-hmm. Lancaster County Community Foundation, when, when I started crafting this way of approaching strategy that I thought would be really meaningful for his organization and for other organizations, I, I baked in a strategy screen. And so it, it really came from my work in policy analysis. Um, but David LaPiana, who wrote a book called The Nonprofit Strategy Revolution, has something like that in his methods around real-time strategy. So so a strategy screen is a lovely way of, of you know, tidying up, um, which is sensational (laughs) right now, but of, of helping you have that positive no, so that you're very comfortable saying what you won't do so that you can focus more intentionally on what you will do. So in, in our methods, we really have these five different steps in how we approach strategy. We look at your culture, we look at your business model, what winning is. Um, we really think about your differentiators in that. We think about your strategy screen. So questions that will help engineer your activity toward what you should do yeah. that will help you win. Um, and we also think about your big question, You know, mm-hmm. what's facing your organization in the next couple of years that you really need to answer. And then we talk about your tactics, which are your answers to those big questions. So strategy screen is about halfway through. (laughs) Okay. Who benefits the most from this type of work? It depends on the organization. Mm -hmm. I I hate to give such a lame answer. Uh, we, We use this method quite a lot with foundations Mm -hmm. and with uh, large nonprofits. We're using it with educational systems as well. Um, I think think that boards of directors particularly love this because Mm. they have truly generative work that comes out of it. They are able to discern what the the true strategy of the organization is back to the uh the sun zoo idea of what mountain are we going to take and then what are the strengths of our army that Mm -hmm. we can uh leverage so that we can go farther faster so i think boards really benefit from this methodology uh ultimately i think customers and clients benefit from it certainly marketing organizations love this Mm. because they can very clearly see what the differentiators are. Mm. And we know from the work of Michael Porter around strategy that if in fact uh, you're going to compete on differentiation, meaning that that you can maybe even charge more for your product because you have 
some unique aspect to either how you do it or what you do, um, you have to com- you have to communicate mm-hmm. your differentiators. Yeah. So because differentiation is one of the deliverables that comes out of this kind of strategy, marketing organizations love mm. it because they they have a pretty clear sense of what they need to broadcast to the world, what the archetype or the identity of the organization is, how they can project that. Okay. So everybody wins, Sarah. Everybody wins. It's a wins. win, 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 win. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's wonderful. But what are some of the possible challenges or obstacles that might arise from doing this? Hmm. I have seen one arise in in the last four years of us using this methodology. I've seen it rear its head a couple of times. In this process, you're doing some pretty deep work around uh, what is truly meaningful. And you're asking a collective group of disparate thinkers that mm-hmm. question. So it takes some leadership to be able to shepherd all of the um, different ideas mm-hmm. and and hold those uncertainties and, mm-hmm. and stay in the tension and say, yeah, let's keep talking about this. We're, we're halfway through. Mm-hmm. We're three-fourths of the way through. We're getting there. Mm-hmm. It still doesn't feel cohesive yet, but we want to keep keep at this until we get there. So I have, um, I would say there was maybe one organization that they said, nope, we don't, we don't like the way this feels. This is too uncomfortable for us. Um, we're just going to put something down and say that that's our winning aspiration. We're out. And, and that, that felt, that was uncomfortable, but, Mm -hmm. but I think, um, In terms of the obstacles, it it requires enough leadership to be comfortable holding the tension, getting through the the messy middle. Um, And that's where our job comes in sometimes as a calm midwife to the process. So ultimately, what can companies take away from this process, which helps them have success in the future? The deliverables are just very concrete. I think, you know, having a clear statement, your winning aspiration, this is something that we borrow from playing to win the work that Procter & Gamble does. Um, Having a very clear statement of what winning is, Mm -hmm. is incredibly powerful for a team. You can ask yourself, if we do this action, will this help us win? Um, and know pretty quickly whether or not that will probably help you win. So having a, a clear deliverable of a winning aspiration is very helpful. Having clear stated differentiators is helpful mm-hmm. to many people. Uh, not only does it help the marketers understand what to broadcast to the world, mm. but it helps people within the team understand how they how they do things. Um, really having clarity of your values is important for leaders because those serve as bumpers for how you create programs, how you communicate with clients. Um, even stating the big questions, getting to the place where you collectively decide what is the big question that our organization has to face in the next couple of years so that we can win. Um, naming that, Making it your intention is is really valuable. And then saying, okay, how are we going to answer these big questions? 
by leaning into our differentiators, by leaning into our values. So so I think those are all really beneficial. There, there's something else that wasn't intended to be beneficial, but I think as I've seen organizations uh, use this practice and then and then live on for years, um, some of the some of the habits become baked in. Yeah. So how to have conversations, maybe some ground rules, some of the ways of communicating, um, getting comfortable with the messy middle, getting yeah. comfortable with with uh, disparate thinking a- until there's more clarity, sitting with something. So. Mm-hmm. That was never intended to be, you know, part of our deliverables. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's, I think it's got lasting impact. I want to go back to you mentioned the big question or the big questions as a deliverable. What is a big question? Mm. And it depends on the organization. Okay. So, so once you understand what your winning aspiration is. So, and we've said this before, I think on this podcast, the work wisdom's winning aspiration is that um, we revolutionize achievement. Mm. It's high altitude. Mm -hmm. It's possible, but not probable, um, but it's a stretch for us. So everything we do, we throw it up against that. Is it going to help us win? Will this podcast, for example, help us revolutionize achievement? So a big question isn't, that a big okay. question is just something that's in front of you for the next year or two that can help you win. So something more like, um, how could we use technology to help us win? Okay. And then we would start leaning into our values, simplicity, originality, mm-hmm. um, depth of character, and we would try and answer that big question of how could we use technology Okay. to help us revolutionize achievement. So, you know, I've done, maybe a gazillion isn't the right number, <laughs> but, you know, I, we've certainly worked with a lot of organizations using our methodology. Uh, I have never helped an organization um, discern down to one big question. Okay. Yeah. Usually mm-hmm. we can get to two, okay. sometimes three, but it depends what's happening with that organization. Mm-hmm. If there's if there's a CEO that's retiring, you know, mm-hmm. how can we use this transition yeah. to better position us for winning? I see. Something like that. Well, thank you so much of for course. sharing your wisdom on strategy. I'm grateful to you, Kedron, for being part of this movement of helping world changers in the workplace to enhance their individual and collective team performance. Thank you listeners for downloading The Behaviorist and we hope you'll subscribe. Please reach out to us through our website, workwisdomllc.com where you can enjoy Work Wisdom press and productions. You can also ask questions and give us suggestions of topics that you'd like us to explore in future episodes. As is our custom, we'll leave you with One Minute Wisdom by Anthony DeMello. To the disciples who were always asking for words of wisdom, the master said, wisdom is not expressed in words. It reveals itself in action. But when he saw them plunge headlong into activity, he laughed aloud and said, that is an action. That's motion. <laughs>